You must teach what is in accordance with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good, and your teaching show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Okay. Um, we're doing Titus, and Paul is uh, telling Titus what to do in a church, and, and again he uses the word uh, to have sound doctrine. Truth. Or remember the word sound means healthy, as in opposed to sick. Have healthy doctrine, not sick doctrine. Sick doctrine makes sick people. And healthy doctrine doctrine makes healthy people. And that healthy doctrine, again, is, and you've got to see it in Paul, he's always there, well actually in the whole of the New Testament. It, it is based around uh, it's based around the gospel. He says, teach the truth. I'll just uh, zip over to 2 Timothy, which was written at a very similar time to Titus. He said this to Timothy, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage. Now, I won't understand it today. What I'm teach, telling you as people is that I'm giving, I want, I want you to hear this. You have permission to teach. Younger people. For a time is coming... When men will not put up with sound doctrine, that's what Paul says. Time's coming, I think it's here. People don't want it. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn towards myths. Myths. Myths are things that aren't true. Teach sound doctrine. Now that's important for Christians and non-Christians. What I'm saying is that the word of the gospel is not just um, for Christians. We need to, sorry, not just for non-Christians. We need to hear it again and again because in a minute, not in a minute, in a couple of weeks, but Paul is going to say in about five verses time, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men grace of God that brings salvation, that's, that's the message of Christ. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. In this present age. Can you hear what he's saying there? What teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions? What teaches us to live self-controlled, godly lives in this present age? The grace of God that brings salvation. And when we leave behind the grace of God, and you'll see this in people, when people stop hearing the word of Christ, they will naturally head towards ungodliness and worldly passions. It's true, isn't it? 
that constant feeding of grace is what causes us to become strong. It was good to hear um, Sue talk about Pastor Paris and Clay as it sets. We're talking about older people not to become hard and grumpy and gossips. We're talking about people who become strong and set in the word of God and the truth. Isn't that good? Sorry. <laughs> You're allowed to say elderly. It's not abuse. Um, please, he says, continue to teach and teach sound doctrine. And, and, and for us, be continued, be continued. Be open to learning sound doctrine. Grow in grace. That's what Peter says towards the end of his life. Because when you grow in grace, you'll grow in holiness and stability and maturity and self-control and joy and peace. Because the grace of God gives us understanding and it, and it pours into us and we become grace and we live in grace and we speak grace. So, old people, verse 2. Sorry, this is not old, but sorry, I'm not. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-control and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Now, uh, in a minute he's going to say likewise uh, older women uh, because he's, he, and he says a different list of things. And, but he, he's talking about older people have been through life. Do you know this? Now, I, I'm going to just say this. Older people, if you're over 40, you're actually heading towards being older people. <laughs> if you're over 50, you're real old. Okay? We have actually said... People who are older have been through life and they've seen a lot. You actually grow through the hardships of life and the older you live, the more hardships you will go through. Is that true? And those things teach you things. They change your expectations. Because our expectations when we're young is that bliss followed by bliss by bigger bliss. As those expectations get let down one after the other, you actually learn what life is really like. Older people see false teachings for what they really are because they've been through them. They see when they hear myths, myths are being, myths are preached often. They know. And also, the older we get, the truth is the more we rely on Christ, the more the foundation, the rock-solid gospel stands firm. We know we're the fathers. I love that bit, that we know we're the fathers, not we're the fathers. We are the fathers' children. I love the bit in Proverbs 31 where it talks about that strong woman who fears the Lord and it says she laughs at the future. Oh, I tell you, the future's bad. There's bad <laughs> stuff coming. Nah, she's not that one. She laughs. She looks at it and she goes, oh, it's going to be good. Because she fears the Lord and she knows him. Can you see that? So she knows. And I believe that older Christians know, as Hebrews 12 says, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaped. Another world disaster. Oh, no. You know, even in my life, I think of my life, in the early days, they were talking, communists are going to get us all, the commie under the bread under the bed, is that right? Yeah. And then 
the in the eighties, I remember at school being taught of the nuclear holocaust. They actually taught us at school what to do if a nuclear bomb goes off in, in the passageway of the Macrosovia and stuff like that. And then Y2K, and there was a few things in between. And uh, we've had some financial things. Y2K, remember the planes were going to fall out of the sky? And all that money was gone. And climate change, and COVID, and China and Russia, and so on. Fear, followed by fear, followed by fear. The world will always have fear. But what I'm saying is this. The older you get, you get to that point and you go, oh, okay, this is the latest one coming out, right? Yeah. Where's your foundation? It's in Christ. It's in God. You're safe. Do you get that? Teach the younger people that. You can calm their fears. Do you know we've got a God who's in control? Do you know we've got a God who's, who's, who's working this for good? We know the truth. And it, it's, it's really important in, in a church setting too. We've seen the rise and fall of, of, of rubbish teachings and stuff like that. We can teach our children that. You know, it's, it's embarrassing sometimes or we, we feel a bit stand-back-ish. don't want to really say stuff to upset people and you don't want to judge. You can judge truth. Do you know that? The Bible teaches constantly sound doctrine. That means it's unsound doctrine and we know the truth. We find it in Scripture. So, very practical outworking of this, people. Grandparents, teach your grandchildren. Yeah, give them lollies, it's fun. And teach them about Jesus. You've got a right to do that. You hear that? I, I remember this time when I said to my grandpa, who was a Christian, I said, I've worked out the weather. I know the cycle. I know when it's going to rain. And he went, <laughs> yeah, okay. I think I was about 12 or something. And he said, I don't know about all that, but let me tell you a story. It's in the Old Testament. And it's about when God promised there would be seven bad years followed by seven good years. And he, and he taught me into that. And I remember that so well. He, he didn't say, tell me your theory. <laughs> yeah. Um, you see... This is shocking to say. Do you know that young people are not the wisest people in society? <laughs> oh dear. Oh my goodness. I, I, I cut and pasted this bit out of an ABC News article, which was saying this is good. It was about a young 16-year-old girl. She was going to high school. And she was talking about sex education in high school. And she said, we should bring the sex education system in line with current attitudes and behaviours of teenagers like me. In other words, I want you to teach what I already do and believe. Yep. Because we, we've got all the wisdom, and you old people, we just silly old ideas. Okay? Imagine if they did that in mass. Right? In mass. Because my brothers taught me to count without the number seven, deliberately. Two older brothers, they taught me to count without the number seven. So I would have gone to school and said, no, I want you to learn it my way, because I know the right way to count. The number of perfectionists. Age and wisdom are worth something. Do you get that? They are worth something. 
This is not, I'm sorry, when I said that about uh, young people, this is not an excuse to whinge about, oh, the way the world's going on, you know. This is giving permission for us to take up the role that God says. To teach. For families, families, discuss the word of God together. At tea time. When you're driving in the car. When you're walking down the road. Talk about it. Because there's a maturity in in age which is God-given but it involves us opening our house. Teach the, uh, sorry, verse 2, I'll yeah. Uh, uh, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and, and sound in faith, in faith, in love and endurance. That's plain. Don't have to explain that. You get that, don't you? Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers and uh, addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. When it says likewise, it's main, it means women, you know, including they should be temperate and worthy of respect and self-control too. And also, well, we know that only men, uh, men aren't alcoholics yet, but only women are. But um, uh, it's, it's talking about both of them. Okay, you, you get that. The, the likewise joins them. Uh, actually, it, it can be a, a habit of older people. Uh, um, to, to, I read this in a commentary written by an old person. He said old people can get in the habit of gossiping and slandering because they, they sit around to talk about stuff. He said, instead of doing that, become old people who teach others. Don't just be uh, uh, gossipers. Uh, it's a good hobby to gossip, but doesn't achieve a lot. Teach sound doctrine. They can train younger women to love their husbands and children. Now that seems strange. I don't know if you see the shock of that. Yeah, because the people on the island of Crete, you know, we said they were kind of a rowdy bunch. They were uh, criminals and stuff. You've got to teach them to love their children. Right? Because that. Um, and, and I think that in our society that we actually should be teaching our kids to love their teaching younger people to love their children too because what is palmed off as love is not love and teaching teaching them to uh, teaching young women to love their husbands and there's going to be a likewise in a minute or a similarly, in other words, teaching young men to love their wives uh, because we're, we're actually in a time now and, and uh, I guess we We've come, we, we live in St George, but we see a lot of other places because we come from South Australia and we, we have contacts in Brisbane. And what, we're, what, what you see is Christian marriages breaking down, ending in divorce when they have no need to. There's nothing going on that couldn't be fixed by covenant love. That love that gives up of yourself for the other person. Yeah? What I'm saying is that teach people about covenant love. Teach the young people about it because they will grow strong in their marriages and teach them to love their children. Do you know, it's actually, this is a... We do not naturally know how to be loved or to love. When You don't realise it. When you bring up your little baby and they get bigger and bigger and bigger, you teach them not only to be loved, but you teach them to love. Give me a hug. You teach them to be loved. God teaches that to us. He teaches us not only to love one another, but he teaches us how to be loved by telling us the grace he's shown us. Right? And he's saying, so teach it to, to others. Teach them how to be loved. 
teach husbands to love wives and wives to love husbands and, and how to love children. You understand that? And teach young men to be self-controlled. Well, that's not an issue, is it? Young men in their own. That was a joke. Do you get it? Right? Young fellas, right, understand, don't excuse the... It's saying teach young fellas. Don't excuse the behaviour... Young, being a young fella means you leave a bag of cement out in the rain you don't get it and you go on holidays for two weeks and you don't take your BO spray jobs. That's being a young fella. But when they get drunk and sleep around, that's not young fella. That's called being a sinner and that's where we speak into their lives. Do you understand that? They'll learn that other stuff. They'll remember their jobs eventually. Teach them. Don't be afraid because they might rebel or say, oh, or old person, or whatever. But, you notice he says, teach it, but live in it yourself. Don't, don't be those who, you know, uh, the, the kids see through that in their parents, don't they? I know you're teaching me this, but you don't live by it. Live by it. I remember Rob Hemming saying, he said, when I was 17, my dad, he didn't know much at all. He said, by the time I reached 30, he'd learnt quite a lot. <laughs> they do come round, they do understand. I'm sure that uh, Mr. Hemming taught him, taught Rob, even when he rebelled, he kept teaching him, and it came back for good. Do you understand? This, what I'm talking about here, is the church in action. This is a church living as a family action. And it's not just talking about your own children and your own grandchildren. It's talking about every chance you get with anyone else's grandchildren and anyone else's children. That's the church. All intertwined. Working together. Bringing the fullness of Christ to each other. It's good. And it's based on this word disciple, which is not in the passage, but it is. Because you see, this disciple is a taught one. That's, that's the hard word. When Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, he said, go and teach them. Because through your teaching, they'll grow in Christ. So go and make disciples. And teach them to, t- teach young women to submit. Because that's the absolute opposite to what this world teaches. Isn't it? Don't submit to anyone. I've got my rights. Yeah. In verse 7. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and the soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about you. Now, I'm going to read another version which says exactly the same thing, but I just think that it speaks uh, in a different way over the same thing. And you yourself must be an example of them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticised. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and will have nothing bad to say about us. I just It's a really one point sermon, okay? You hearing it? Teach. And, and by the way, when it, in, in the verse 8 when it says, uh, and soundness of speech, it actually says soundness of the logos, of the word of Christ, that pillar that stands strong in our lives, that will never fail us, that we always look to Christ. That word. Speak 
the word of Christ. Now, all of this, what underpins discipleship and, and teaching is this, humility. Teach humility because, you see, humility means we are willing to learn. Without humility, none of this will work. Understand? It's okay to tell people stuff. Teach people to be humble. Because you see, this flows from Jesus the Word. It takes a huge humility to actually read Scripture. Do you know that? Because you're saying, there's something in this world that knows better than me, and I'm going to learn from it. So humble yourself and read the Bible. Humble yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. Humble yourself to uh, accept that to accept the gospel is to die to yourself. In other words, to die to what you want and to and to live to what God wants and His ability and His wisdom. That we can't do it ourselves. That we need Him. We need to save Him every hour. We need Him to 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 give us the strength. It always hurts to do that because it destroys our pride. But the truth is we don't know it. We can be taught and we can teach. So, in humility we learn from the Bible, we learn from the Gospel and then realising that the Gospel means that we have no room to big know ourselves, then we can teach humbly. You understand what I'm saying? It's not saying, you know, because it's one of the problems we have. I don't want to teach because it will seem like I'm, I'm a know-it-all. But you see, we know that the gospel brings us to a place of humility and therefore we teach from that lowly place. We don't say, hey, uh, you know, uh, young fella, don't drink. Uh, you're just an idiot. We, we actually say, it's hard in this world. We, we experience the temptation. We know what it's like. But uh, when you trust in Christ, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? We don't come from hit them with a stick. We actually come from a place of humility where we teach them in the gospel which we've accepted. Hopefully that'll make sense. Again, last time, permission given. God calls you to be those men and women who teach because the Holy Spirit will work through you. You will say words that will change people's lives. Do you believe that? Don't bother coming to church if you don't. God works through you. Holy Spirit will speak. Father, we thank you for the incredible privilege it is to be your children, to be those who know the truth, and to be able to speak. And I pray that you will Embolden us, give us strength and courage to open our word, open our mouths, even to two-year-olds and five-year-olds and ten-year-olds and sixteen-year-olds and twenty-three-year-olds. Father, that we would be those who speak your word boldly, with all humility, because we know you, we know the incredible love and grace you've shown us, and Father, that we would live out of that, that it would be an overflow of our lives, and Father. I pray for that promise that you've said the Holy Spirit will work through us and I pray, Father, that that's exactly what would happen, that your Holy Spirit would powerfully work through each one of us sitting here today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing our final song.